our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. We continue our series this morning, Living Hope. Going through these lessons in 1 Peter, seeing the hope that Peter's declaring and proclaiming to the people who are his original audience and then thereby to us who receive this word over the course of time. This series, Living Hope, continues to return to this theme about hope, and hope is important. It's helpful for us to have hope, to look forward with expectation, to anticipate things that are to come. Hope can sustain us, especially when life is hard. And life can certainly be hard for us. Sometimes we suffer. Peter writes about suffering multiple times in this epistle, in this letter that he wrote. Chapter 2 included suffering unjustly uh, and suffering for doing good. Themes uh, toward the latter part of that, suffering for doing good or for righteousness, he picks up here in chapter 3, suffering for righteousness' sake. We, we saw those words in verse 14, and for doing good in verse 17. We sometimes suffer. I don't know how often we would consider our suffering for righteousness. Sometimes, maybe every now and then, we, we might suffer and understand it from our doing good or for our wanting to do good. But most of the time, I think for me at least, um, the suffering that I endure is, is from my actions. More for doing evil, which is the latter half of verse 17, than for doing good. We can easily think of suffering consequences of our own actions for things that we've done. One of the things that we've, as a family, have been doing more of, um, actually, really kind of for the first time in our life as a family, um, during this time of shelter in place, we've uh, started riding bikes together. And so um, we're riding as a family of four and just kind of cruising around the neighborhood, and, and that's been enjoyable. Some of the time, what we do is we uh, take the dogs with us, so... Uh, I'll have a dog on a leash, and Gina will have a dog on a leash, and we'll be riding. And, and the dogs, when they're riding together, when we're taking them on the bikes and, and they're going the same direction, same time, they're competitive. <laughs> Our little black dog especially, she does not want to be second. She wants to be first. She wants to be that lead dog. And, uh, well, you know what to say if you're not the lead dog. So she wants to be the lead dog. She wants to be out in front. And so if we're, if we're going along and she's not in front, she will start running really fast and pulling. And, and sometimes it's like as much as I can do to keep my balance. Well, this past uh, week, two different times, I was running with a dog, or I was riding and the dog was running, and, and uh, I was going to make a turn, go up onto the sidewalk, make the turn into the park, and I don't know exactly how it happened, but I didn't make the turn. And, and so I ended up crashing into the, into the road. Somehow, some way, 
my mind and my body were ready to go one way, and my bike seemed to go the other way. And so I have a little nick on my knee this morning still. Something I had done. I didn't quite make the turn. Sometimes we crash. Sometimes we crash bikes. Sometimes we crash cars. Sometimes we wreck other things. Maybe you wrecked a relationship and suffered the consequences for, for something that you've done. Sometimes we wreck our work opportunities. Sometimes we suffer the consequences of things that we've done or things we haven't done that we should have done. And we suffer because of it. Sometimes we suffer as the result of other people's actions. The other time that I was riding um, with a dog, I was going down through some grass toward a, a path that was paved. I had Copper with me this time, who still wants to run. If, if Penny's running, Copper wants to go too. And so we were going through there, and all of a sudden I realized that my front wheel was dropping down into this, this hole that was hidden because of the grass. I didn't see it in time, and, and so my front wheel drops down, and there was really nothing I could do. I went kind of over the top, and once again, well, that's a different spot on my knee. <laughs> Who left that hole there? Why was, it, why was it dug? Why was it left there uneven? It was a result of someone else's effort or lack of effort, negligence maybe. My own riding through the grass, which maybe I shouldn't have been doing, but, well, I can contribute that fall to that hole. Sometimes we suffer because of what other people have done or haven't done. Other people hurt us sometimes. Sometimes it's physical pain. Sometimes it's emotional suffering, psychological struggles that we have because of other people's words or actions. Relationships can struggle, and it's someone else's doing. The, the company fails, and you lose your job. It wasn't your doing. You were doing everything that you possibly could, but, well, when the doors close, you're out of work. Even through this uh, time, this pandemic and the shelter in place and the, the variety of things that, that we're doing across the country, even around the state, Who's going to suffer because of the actions of another has been a question that has come up again and again. This past week, I read that the Wisconsin Supreme Court decided that the governor didn't have the authority to extend um, the sheltering in place um, there for Wisconsin. And so suddenly, all the bars in Wisconsin opened and they, there were crowds in some places and people who weren't wearing masks and were really close together and, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And they were excited, and I, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm ready to be where people are, and I'm ready to connect again, and I'm ready f for the opportunity and the freedom. But I don't think I'd be ready to, to do that. And so the question that, the article that I was reading, the question that it asked was, what's going to happen because? Because the Supreme Court decided that, because the... These, all these bars and restaurants opened like right away. Now, I can imagine the business owners were really excited to generate revenue again when they haven't been able to for nearly two months. But the question was, 
the people that were there and the exposure and, and what's going to spread and how's that going to happen? I don't know that we'll ever know the end result of what took place in Wisconsin in one evening. Will people suffer? We, we don't even know. We suffer in this broken world. Coronavirus and COVID-19, just one among many. Sheltering in place and the anxiety and, and struggles that sometimes we have that's among the suffering that we endure. But that can create some real issues for us. Last week was Mother's Day, and um, two of our three kids live at the house. Um, but the one who doesn't came over and visited us in the backyard, and um, Paula posted a picture of it. We took a picture of, of Paula and her firstborn on Mother's Day, um, standing like that. <laughs> Six feet or more apart, not hugging on Mother's Day. And it was hard. There's health issues that we struggle with, not just the virus and the related illnesses. There's mental issues, not just related to shelter in place. There are emotional problems that we can face, not just through this time, but normally, always. There's suffering in this world, and we endure suffering. And because of all that, our hope can be fleeting. Hope can be hard. Suffering can bring us down. Fear can drive us to despair. And when we are suffering long-term, hope can be really difficult. When, when life is bleak, when there doesn't seem to be a solution for whatever it is that we're facing, it can be hard to hope. When we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as Psalm 23 describes it, hope is hard. Sometimes there doesn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel. The darkness seems to be closing in all around us, we have a reason for hope. The same reason we gather today, even in this virtual space, is our reason for hope. And 1 Peter 3.18 describes it. Jesus suffered for us. We suffer sometimes, and we do. But Jesus suffered for us, and in that we find our hope. This is what verse 18 says. Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. He died on our behalf for our sins, for all the times that we've done evil and suffered consequences in this life, but should have faced consequences for eternity. Jesus paid that price for us. For all the times we've put our hope in ourselves, when we've thought my efforts are going to accomplish, my skills, my work, we put our hope in ourselves instead of in Jesus, and he suffered for that. When we've put our hope in our leaders and other people who make decisions on our behalf and, and our political figures and, and elected officials, sometimes we put our hope there. 
It's not where our hope belongs. Sometimes we put our hope in other people or in circumstances or relationships or opportunities that we have. And for all of that, all of the times that we have taken our eyes off of Jesus, all of those times that we have neglected to cling to that hope we have in Christ, Jesus suffered for that. He suffered and he died. And he rose again. And in his resurrection is the assurance that our hope is well-founded. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our hope is in Jesus. We have a reason for hope. And Jesus ascended. This coming Thursday is ascension uh, on the calendar. It's 40 days since Easter, and the way that the biblical narrative describes it, after 40 days from the resurrection, Jesus ascended. The writing that we read, Luke 24, and it appears uh, elsewhere, that is from the the, the disciples' perspective. That's what they experienced. They heard from Jesus, and then he was taken, ascended into heaven. But it's more than just Jesus into the air, into the sky. It's more than that. It's Jesus' coronation. The ascension is the moment at which Jesus ascends and takes his place sitting at the right hand of God. He is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, we proclaim in the creed. And this is the the moment at which he takes his place on the throne, from which he rules and reigns for eternity. Jesus, the one who suffered for us, rose again, ascended, and rules and reigns. That's where our hope is. That's our reason for hope. And we are saved through faith in him, through faith in the living one, in the one who rules, the one who reigns the one whose resurrection was for you and me. He saves us through the waters of baptism. Here again, the words in verse 21 of 1 Peter chapter 3, baptism, which corresponds to this, and Peter's been describing Noah and his family being saved through water. Baptism corresponding to this now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved from sin, from death, and from the power of the evil one. We are saved for eternity and for this life now. So hope in Christ is secure. Hope in Christ is the foundation for a peaceful life even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of all the turmoil, even in the midst of suffering, we can have hope in Jesus. If we hope in others, we better prepare for disappointment. If we hope in the world, we better recognize that it will fail. It will fade. If we hope in ourselves, we better admit that that's not sustainable. But if we hope in Jesus... 
That's a hope that lasts. He never fails. He never leaves us. Have that hope. Cling to that hope and share your reason for hope. The world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of despair. There's a lot of people who are walking around through life, maybe thinking that they're doing okay. But deep inside, they know they're not. There's a lot of people who are suffering. There's a lot of people who have no hope or whose hope is fleeting at best. And that's not just now. That's not just because of a worldwide pandemic and shelter in place and lockdowns and isolation and all of the things that we know too well because for the last two months, this has been our reality. It's way deeper than that. It's way more pervasive than that. People need Jesus. They need the forgiveness of sin. They need the peace that he brings. They need this hope that we have. For many, many people, this is as good as it gets. Life here and now. Ugh. No hope for eternity. No expectation for a future in the presence of God. No hope at all. They need Jesus. So be prepared to give a reason for your hope. Verse 15. This is one that might be familiar. It's quoted often. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Be ready to share your story, your story of faith, your story of life. How has God been at work in your life? This is why we practice our, our take 10, our are questions that Dwelling 114 and Greg Finke taught us about what's God, what's God up to? What's he doing in your life? This is why we practice this, so we can be prepared to share. On our family bike rides that we've gone on, we've met a man named Raymond. Probably not a lot of people stop and talk to Raymond. He pushes a shopping cart. He has long hair that looks like it's been weeks or months or possibly years since it's been cleaned and cut. He's got a, a, a long, scraggly beard. His clothes are, are very dirty. His fingernails are, are really long. And, and there's dirt under them that you can see without getting closer than you should during this time. So probably not a lot of people stop and talk to Raymond, but one time I was riding one way, the kids were riding another way, and we were going to meet at the park, and Raymond was there, so I just happened to say hello to him, and it started a conversation that lasted a little while, and the kids arrived, and we all listened to Raymond for some minutes. Just yesterday, all four of us were riding again, and we bumped into Raymond, Right next to the 
the public bathroom building at a city park here. And Raymond's shopping cart was nearby, piled with his stuff, and his clothes looked the same as the first time I'd talked to him. But he said hello, and Raymond called me by name. And he recognized the family. And so we started this conversation, and and he said, you know, I believe in God. Maybe not the same God that other people believe in, which made me a little nervous. But he went on to proclaim a faith in Jesus. And he shared part of his life story that almost 40 years ago, he was a man who was experimenting with drugs, but he was never addicted. And at some point, because of an invitation from, I think it was his brother, he went to a church and he said, the spirit of God got a hold of him. Like, bam, that's how he said it. And he got really excited And he shared with us this story of a lifetime of living in hope. He said he's read the Bible 33 times. He quoted scriptures from different places in the Bible and and had this joy about him that was contagious, refreshing, encouraging. Here's a man who suffers daily. He lives outdoors. All that he owns fits in a shopping cart or on his back. And yet he had more joy than I've seen among people with abundance. He had more peace about him than I've seen with people who have comfortable lives. He had Jesus. And he had hope, and he was willing to share the reason for his hope with people who are effectively strangers. In that conversation, I finally told him that I'm a pastor, and he encouraged me. That was hope. That's the hope that we can share with one another. Maybe your story of faith isn't a dramatic turnaround from from possible drug addiction to the blessing of hope and peace in Jesus. But your story will still affect someone. Your reason for hope is still the same. Your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And we can share that hope with this world. We have a reason for hope. His name is Jesus. Amen.